You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. If you've got a Bible, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of uh, 1 Samuel and chapter 15. 1 Samuel 15, and we're going to build on uh, where we've been the last few weeks. So uh, we believe prophetically that the Lord has spoken to us about going deeper, reaching wider, uh, out of Isaiah 54, enlarge the place of your tent, strengthen your stakes, and spread your tent curtains wide. And for us as a community that God is calling us to go deeper into Him. That's why in our 21 days of prayer, we, we began our year speaking about rooted and established in love. Not as a peace to do and move on from, but a place to live, a place to dwell. If we're gonna reach wide, if we're gonna reach our city, if we're gonna have the courage to be a part of things like healing on the streets, to share our faith, we need the love of God to be our motivation and our anchor. So we're going deeper, rooted, and established, but then last week, a bit of a gear shift, Dr. John Andrews talking about kingdom authority, because we've not only been rooted and established in love, we've also been commissioned and sent in kingdom authority, aligned and in agreement with the Father to go and see the kingdom come. And today, uh, we're going to look at a story from the Old Testament of uh, a, a king called Saul, and particularly draw out one of the barriers and the obstacles that can be really common for us to have to overcome if we're going to step out in kingdom authority. This is what the Bible says in 1 Samuel 15. Samuel, Samuel was the prophet, by the way, said to Saul the king, I'm the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go and attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children, infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 from Judah. Let me just pause there. Um, I do want to acknowledge that there are some demanding portions of Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, this being one that God, this loving God, would speak about the annihilation of a nation. I'm not going to dwell on that thought today, but, but I do want to say this. If we understand our Bible right, we understand that at least in part, although Old Testament is history, it is also shadow and it is type. A lot of things that are going on in the Old Testament are to inform us, not of a natural conflict, but of a spiritual conflict. You know, what I want to say, the Amalekites, it even says it here, they represented those that seek to stop Israel from inhabiting their destiny and their promise. It says they waylaid Israel on their way up out of Egypt. And what I want to say to us is we can find there is an enemy that will want to waylay us, hold us from stepping into what God has. And what this represents is, is God saying, I'm, I'm not looking for this to be partially dealt with. I'm looking for this to be entirely dealt with. It's not okay for me for you to live with certain things that are holding you back from your destiny. You've got to wipe those things out. So at least hold that thought. But let us press on because that's not our message today. We'll jump down to verse 7. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Hivalar to Shur near the eastern border of Egypt. They took Agag, or Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But, but Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. 
These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king because he's turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he, and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor. Notice that, that's what he's up to. And has turned and gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you, I've carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is this bleating of sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of cattle that I hear Saul answered, oh, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, as Saul said. I went on the mission. The Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agad, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to the Lord in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of adultery because you have rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you as king. And then Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. And here it is. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You've rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. Wow. Well, what a challenging story. What a tragic story. If it seems harsh to you that the Lord rejects Saul as king, let me tell you, this is not a one-off incident. This is a culmination of a lifestyle of Saul's compromise. This is, uh, this is a culmination of a number of times where he has failed to do what the Lord has said, where we observe through chapters 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 that precede this, Saul living with a compromised life, living in a way that he has no evidence of fear of the Lord. And really the, the key thing for Saul, the Achilles heel, as I read these chapters and I've been studying them recently, is the fear of man. And I want to speak today on the fear of man. He says he makes his excuses, but when it comes down to it, he said, I was afraid of the men and I gave in to them. And we see in a number of instances, Saul in the preceding chapters, giving in to the fear of man. He was unwilling to challenge. He was unwilling to confront. He was more concerned with his popularity, with being liked and being accepted than doing what the Lord asked him to do. In the message in verse 24 that we've just read, the version says this, I've sinned, I've trampled roughshod over God's word and your instructions. I cared more about pleasing the people. And here is the issue. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. Can we all say snare? The, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. 
I would say it like this, the fear of man is that which operates when the perceived response of others prevents us from fully obeying the Lord. Let me say that again. The fear of man is that which operates when the perceived response of others prevents us from fully obeying the Lord. And at one level or another, this is an issue, I believe, for all of us. Hello? Because the truth is, we want the approval of others, right? We, we want to be accepted. We want to be popular. We want to be liked. We, we don't want to offend. We don't want to make others uncomfortable. We want to look good in front of other people or, or at least not risk looking bad or foolish. We want to protect a favorable reputation or at least not create an unfavorable one. I want to say, you know, the, these things are not all bad in and of themselves. You know, if you, if you rejoice in offending people, you've got an issue. If your desire is to be unpopular, something's out of whack. But if these things restrict and limit, if these things cause us not to be the people as God, God has called us to be, then we have a problem. David succeeded Saul as king. And, you know, he was criticized by his wife for being too exuberant in praise and worship. And, you know, his response to that, he was like, I, I cannot. I will yet become more undignified than this. You know, you ain't seen nothing yet. Really, because I, I don't care so much to please men. I want to please the one. I'm living for an audience of one, and here, right in the run-up, God speaks to Saul and, and says, I have searched out a man after my own heart. One who will do everything I have commanded him to do is the verse you find in the book of Acts. And I'd like us to see a few things today. First, I'd like us to see, number one, that the fear of man is an issue of the heart. The fear of man is an issue of the heart. Galatians chapter 110 says this, am I... Now trying to win the approval of men or of God. Am I trying to please men? If I was still trying to please men, I would not be the servant of Christ. Let's take a moment to consider that. That's a, that's a sobering verse. If I was still trying to please men, I would not be the servant of Christ. In John chapter 12, the Bible speaks about those among the religious leaders who believed in Jesus. Verse 42 says, Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they'd be put out of the synagogue. And verse 43 says, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. I don't know if you've observed, but when people are in love, they do crazy things. You sometimes see outlandish marriage proposals. You see people that were once timid stepping out and doing crazy things, doing, you know, flash mobs, singing in front of people, while expressing their love in, in outlandish ways because love overrides some of those other things. There's an incredible Olympic story uh, which some of you will remember. If, uh, it happened in 1992. I, I'm old enough to remember it. Some of you weren't even a thought in your parents' uh, minds at that time. But there was an athlete, a UK athlete, British athlete called Derek Redmond. And uh, Derek Redmond was a 400-meter runner. And uh, his career had been plagued with injuries. But when he got to Barcelona in 1992, he was in the peak of his fitness. And he got through to the semifinals. There was an expectation he was going to make it to the final. And on his current personal best, there was an expectation he was probably going to medal. 
And he says off, the gun goes of 400 meters of the semifinal. And Derek Redman, he comes an explosive start. And he looks like he's head of the pack at the 200 meter mark, at which point his hamstring popped. And, and he pulls up and everybody else keeps running and he collapses to the ground. But then for some reason, he, he gets up and he determines, he speaks about afterwards, he determines he refused to go out of the Olympics on a stretcher. And he just decided he was going to finish that race. And this guy starts like limping down the back straight. And like everyone else has finished. And yet suddenly the, 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 the massive crowd becomes aware that the athlete that's gone down is still going. He's hobbling down the back straight. And, and then, and then the, the cameras pan to this kerfuffle because there's a guy trying to get on the track. And the marshals and the stewards are trying to stop him because they think he's just trying to, he's a random guy. But he's Redmond's dad. And Redmond's dad, he's pushing these marshals out of the way, and he breaks loose. And you see in that moment, he doesn't care what anybody thinks. He doesn't care for protocol. He doesn't care what the marshals are saying to him. He wants to reach his son. And then he reaches his son, and, and he says afterwards, he, he said to him, I said, Derek, you don't have to do this. But, but Derek says, no, dad, I, I'm going to finish this race. And he says, well, if you're going to finish it, I'm going to finish it with you. And he, and, and he puts his arm around him. And suddenly, the, the crowd get behind this and start going, what? And it was the biggest cheer of the whole Olympics when Derek Redman and his dad crossed the line. And Derek Redman's dad became a hero. But you know, in that moment, he, he's, he doesn't care. He doesn't know the crowd might boo him. But he, he really doesn't care because love will do crazy things. And here's the issue for us, because it will come down to a matter of the heart. This was the difference between David and Saul. Because David loved God that much, he really didn't care by comparison for the approval of people. Whereas Saul, his heart was more for the approval of people than the approval of God. And this is why, actually, if we're gonna be those that step into kingdom authority, we have to be those that are rooted and established in love. Because the fear of man will come as a barrier into our lives. We have to make a decision. You know, the core of this is pride. Saul, he, he wanted to be accepted. He wanted a good reputation. The Bible says in the King James Version that Jesus made himself of no reputation for me. The one who was high above all things. He was nailed to a cross. His, his back was ripped out. He had a a crown of thorns pushed into his head and, and he bled and he died. He made himself of no reputation. He was spat at. He was crucified among criminals. And yet, am I willing to make myself of no reputation? Do I love him in the way that he loved me? Well, this is the journey, church, that we need to be on. That as we draw near, our love is such for God that actually we're willing to do what he asks us to do and push past the fear of man. When Samuel arrived at the scene, Saul wasn't there because he was establishing a monument to his own honor. The root of pride in our hearts will stop us doing what God is asking us to do. Secondly, the fear of man will oppose your purpose. The fear of man will oppose your purpose. You see, it was not God's desire for Saul to fail as king. In fact, there's that incredible verse 11 that we've read where God says, I regret that I made Saul king because he's turned away. It wasn't his plan that the first king would fail. He wanted Saul to succeed. 
And it grieved the Lord when Saul's heart was more for the people. And he ended up having to shift things because he had to show the nation and put up in front of the nation what success looked like. And success looked like a heart after God. And so his, the eye of God roams across the whole land until he finds a boy with a beating heart in a field, a blazing heart after God. And he says, that is what needs to be king. I want the people to see that what I'm going to exalt is a heart after me. But it was not God's desire for Saul to fail. It was, not, it was not God's destiny for him. Saul's purpose was to be a great king, to do great things for God, to establish the kingdom, for his name to be great in the things of God, for his life to be an example to the nation and the generations to follow. This is the tragedy of Saul's story. This is why it says that Samuel cried out to the Lord all night. It's why, and the next chapter, it begins by saying, God says to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Because Samuel's grieved over this. Why? Because he remembers the young man that he met. He remembers the young man he met that was taking responsibility for finding his father's lost donkeys who carried a servant heart and an honoring heart. And he poured out the oil on him and he had high expectations. Samuel remembers the young man that was anointed in front of the people that stood a head taller than everyone else. And, and Samuel's desire was that he would succeed. And, and yet, it's a tragedy to the prophet. The Bible says the fear of man will prove to be a snare. And it was for Saul. He, he didn't fulfill his purpose as king. The Hebrew word for snare, mokesh, it, it's, it's an animal trap. It's an animal snare, and it's the type of snare that, that an animal gets caught in, but doesn't die, it's just held and restricted. Here's the thing, the, the fear of man won't kill you, it will limit you. Let me say that again, the fear of man, it won't kill you, but it will restrict you, it will oppose your purpose, it will oppose you doing what God would have you do. In Ephesians 2.10 the Bible says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. But the fear of man will prove to be a snare. It's waiting to hold you back from stepping into purpose. Well, Saul needed approval. His desire to not offend ultimately robbed him of his God-given purpose. You know, if you let the fear of man in your life, it will limit you. And for a start, it will stop you from speaking. You know, right at the beginning here, what happens is, if you track back and you see the story of Saul, he's anointed king, and yet there are some people, the Bible says, who despised him, and then it's this really interesting comment where it says, but Saul said nothing. Now, he didn't need to justify himself, but he failed to speak up. He failed to speak up for what God had authorized, and he said, but Saul said nothing, or but Saul kept quiet at the end of chapter 10. You know what? What will happen is the fear of man will stop you from speaking, will stop you from saying what you need to say, will stop you from acting in the way that God wants you to act. You know, I'm aware that some, some of us in the room are new in our faith and beginning a journey, and yet the fear of man will potentially stop you from breaking new ground and becoming the person God wants you to be. Maybe you're not new as a Christian, but maybe you're limited and restricted somehow in your freedom or in your witness. Maybe your self-consciousness holds you back. Maybe you wanna break through, but there's a battle and a journey on the inside and you're not actually free. There's something snaring you. 
Maybe you've been raised in church, but it's mainly your parents' faith. And there comes a time, are you going to step out and be who God is calling you to be as a young person? Well, these things are going to demand that we push past the fear of man. And what I'm talking about here is, is that, that thing that stops us because we don't want to look silly or, or we don't want to look foolish. And I'm aware, you know, you, you could look at somebody like me and, and think maybe I was born on a pulpit, but I've got news for you, I wasn't. I got saved when I was 17 and I knew nothing. And you might think, well, you look super confident to me. I was not super confident. I got saved. I was on the back row of a church. I didn't know how to lift my hands in worship. I'd never shared my faith. I was brand new as a Christian, but I had to make some decisions. You know, if you've got no fear of man, you're fine. Get on with it. If you do struggle with the fear of man, you're normal. But you have to make a decision. I can remember having to make some decisions. I can remember being in a worshiping environment and I felt awkward about lifting my hands in worship and I could see people going for it. I started to love the Lord, but, but the idea, and I, I felt as though everyone was looking at me. Guess what? No one's looking at me. But I thought everyone was looking at me. And so, you know, I just began. Woo, break out. Spirit break out. And it's like, woo. Hallelujah. You know, it's like, listen, the, the, I don't know when it first happened, but I found a liberation. And I probably got to there. Really going for it before the Lord. And there came a day where I, I go, I love you, Lord. It's not an issue for me now. But somewhere inside of me, there's something going, you look an idiot. There's people looking at you. What, what, what are those guys going to say? You know, you don't want to go for it. You don't want to look extreme. You don't want to look like a fanatic here. And yet my heart was like, Lord, I want to love you. Lord, I want to serve you. It might seem really stupid. I remember the first time I danced in church. Some of you never danced in church. I'm going to make you do it right now. No, I'm not really. <laughs> just, just listen. Listen, I, I like, I can remember we, we had... We had a couple of elders. I mean, back in the day, it was like the, there, was a, there was like a row of elders on the platform. Who remembers the row of elders? Like, it's not in this church, but like, there was always a row of, some of you think we should still have a row of elders. Sorry, um, it's, it's gone. Um, but we had a couple of elders who used to, the Pentecostal two-step. Hallelujah. And I was like, we've we got to be able to do better than this. But finding freedom was a challenge. I can remember going to a prayer meeting and I, and, and I wanted to pray. I wanted to lift my voice. I wanted to contribute. But, but there were these prayer warriors. They could pray forever. You, you knew some of them. They, they'd begin and they'd go, oh God, you made the heavens and the earth. And you're thinking, oh man, this is going to be a long one. <laughs> and they'd go and they'd ramp up and they'd, oh God, God, yeah. And then somebody would somehow track that they were coming into land. Oh God, are we there? And this guy, other would be going, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and he'd be in. And I'd be going, I'm never going to break into this environment. Like, how can I possibly break in to this environment? But I wanted to lift my voice. And I remember, and then I'd, like, we'd be praying about something. I'd, I'd prepare my prayer. I'd have a really good verse, ideally from one of the Old Testament prophets, something that looked good, and, and, like, and, and, I'd be, and then my heart would start thumping, 
Because I thought, oh no, he's coming into land. This could be it. This could be me. This could. And then someone else would take on a golf. It's like I'm never gonna get in here. And then I'm like, and then I, and then I'd be like, oh God. And so I'd practice a bit more, and I'd be, I'd be getting ready. I'd be getting ready. I'd be getting ready. And then someone would say, oh God, I feel you're leading us this direction. And my prayer wasn't ready for this direction. My, my prayer was back in that direction. And I'm like, oh, I've missed it. And I'd go home. I go, I still haven't lifted my voice in prayer. Now, that might sound ridiculous to you, but I might be speaking to somebody. The fear of man. And then I remember this prayer meeting, and there's this big silence. I'm going, this is it. This is my moment. This is my, don't anybody, don't anybody dare, because this is my moment. And I went, thank you, Lord. I'm in. I have no idea what I prayed. It was probably rubbish, but I broke my duck and I was in. Now, I say that because actually you don't end up here. Like, I mean, you don't start here. You, you start there. And yet there was something in me. I was scared to lift my voice. I can remember sharing my faith, the challenge of sharing my faith, the challenge of stepping out. I can remember I was in a prayer meeting one time and we were praying for people to find Jesus. We were praying particularly that people would come on an alpha course. And I'm calling out to God. I mean, by that time, prayer wasn't an issue in a prayer meeting. And I'm praying that God will break out. And the Holy Spirit says, phone Andy and Becky. I've got a lot. I'm praying about this. And I felt the Lord say, no, you go, go and make a phone call. Don't pray about it. Go and ask somebody. I've got Lord, I'm like, I'm focused here. Do you know, I was scared to leave the prayer meeting to go and pick up the phone to invite somebody that I used to work with. And do you know what? I, I started to justify. I said, but Lord, you know, I, I haven't spoken to them for ages, Lord. And the Lord goes, yeah, I know that. I said, but Lord, it, it, it might feel a bit weird for them. Do I look like I care? <laughs> I'm like, Lord, but it, you know, I, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. Do you know the fear of man will try and justify itself? You know, Saul in the story, he, he says, ah, but, but we save the best for, for sacrifice. That's nonsense. By the time Samuel breaks through, he goes, I'm sorry, Lord. It was that I was scared of the people. I was trying to please the people. And the fear of man trying to justify itself. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. This could be a bit awkward. And the Holy Spirit's just nailing me. And I, honestly, I had to leave the prayer meeting and go and make a phone call. I remember like I dialed the number and honestly, like my hand's shaking. I mean, what is that? I tell you, it's the fear of man. It will prove to be a snare. And I had to obey the Lord. And I, and I, and I made this phone call. I'm going, Lord, I pray they are out. <laughs> and so Becky picks up the phone. Hey, how you doing? I was like, oh, hi, hi. Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, long time no speak. How's things? How's Andy? Yeah, cool. I'm going, oh, God. And I remember like going, hey, uh, the reason I'm calling is we've got this thing at our church. Um, it's called an alpha course. It's really to uh, help people find out about Christianity. And um, do you know what? I'd love you to come. I said, it's a 10-week course, but it begins with a dinner. And just like come to the dinner and see if it's for you, if you can make it. It mean the world to me if you came. And so she said, okay, I'll, I'll speak to Andy and I'll see. And I, I put the phone down. I remember getting a call back going, yeah, we'll come. Now, they said to me afterwards, they came to the dinner to kind of humor me, and they weren't going to come to anything else. Well, I didn't know, because I'd worked with this young lady called Becky. Uh, I didn't know her husband, who, who was not a Christian, that he'd been raised in a Christian home, and he'd backslidden. 
And they came, and halfway through the course, he recommitted his life to Christ. And then Becky's under pressure. And, uh, but by the end of the course, Becky becomes a Christian. Now, I remember like when the, on the day they both got baptized, like further down the line, I remember back to that prayer meeting. And I'm saying that because, you know, God wants to use you, but maybe you'll have a wrestle. I remember starting to step out in the things of the Spirit, sensing God speaking to me, but then feeling, gosh, what if I've got this wrong? You know, I remember being in a service, and it was, it was a church service. It wasn't a big, so there was probably about 60 people in it. And I felt the Lord speak to me really clearly that there was a guy there who would, that he literally that morning had said, God, if you don't personally speak to me today, I am done. I'm not coming back to church again. And like I had this thought, and my heart's thumping in my chest. Like I need to bring this thing. And I'm going, but Lord, what, what, if, what if this is wrong? Like, what if it's not, you know, what if it's not of you? But it's like the Holy Spirit's all over me. I'm like going, okay, all right, maybe it is you. But I was scared. But then I had this realization because I thought, you know what, even if it was wrong, the people who were more mature than me who might realize that I, I'd got it wrong, they'd been on the same journey as me, so they weren't going to despise me. And the people that were less mature than me, they wouldn't even realize I got it wrong. I remember going to the front and saying to the leader of the meeting, I, I feel like I've got this word for somebody here. And then I just kind of, I was going to leave it. And, and, and then the guy goes, okay, we're going to stop the meeting. Martin, you need to share this. And then he said, who is that person? <laughs> I go, no, 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 you don't do that. You just like, you just leave it general. Leave it in the ether. Because if it's somebody, it's somebody. But if it's nobody, it's okay. We're moving in the gifts of the Spirit. But you don't need to embarrass me about it. Who is the guy? Who is the guy? I'll, I'll be the guy. Do you know, it's like, ah. Uh. And then this guy goes, it's me. And he starts weeping. He breaks down. And his wife goes, what? It's like, and the guy goes, go, come to the front. And I'm going, wow, Lord, you, you used little me. And I'm telling these stories today because hopefully they'll speak to somebody somewhere. Are we going to step out? Are we going to break out? Or are we going to stay limited by the fear of man? Because it will prove to be a snare. It won't kill you, but it will limit you. And you have to make a decision. The final thing I want us to think about is this. The fear of man is an enemy of the kingdom. You know, here, God was looking to establish the kingdom through Saul. Establish his rule and his reign. But it was... It was limited because of the fear of man that Saul allowed to dominate his own life. And then God finds a man with a beating heart after him, David, and the kingdom is established. I want to say it's no different here. The fear of man in your life it is an enemy of the kingdom. Samuel says, the Lord sent you on a mission to destroy those who oppose the purpose of God's people, but you failed to obey. God's plan is always a person. God's plan in your workplace is probably you. God's plan in your neighborhood is probably you. God's plan on campus is probably you. I know what's interesting is often people that we think will oppose us or reject us actually don't. I think we have to be willing. We, we have to be willing to be rejected for him. What a privilege. 
But you know, often the, the things that we expect, they don't even come to pass. The people we expected to reject us, they don't. The reality is that, that Saul is paranoid about the men rejecting him. That David comes and follows him. And the same men that Saul was afraid of, when David comes and establishes God's ways, they follow him. They had no issue with it. They were happy to fall in line with godly leadership. And sometimes we can expect that people don't want to hear, but actually they do. That people we think will refuse prayer actually won't. That people we think will laugh at us actually don't. Last week, John Andrews brought his message into land with this, this picture of a policeman, authorized Stop in the traffic on the M69. And, and you'll remember that because it was such a powerful image of saying actually people weren't stopping because of the man. They were stopping because of the authority that he was under. They were stopping because of the crown. And yet you, it, this would be like sometimes us, you, you we, I, I am authorized and you are authorized to go in God's name and to be a witness for him and to bring his light and his life to be a kingdom bringer. Where you are, this is the call on your life. There are some people this week that your life is the only Bible they're going to read this week. And you're authorized, and yet often we're held back by the fear of man. And it would be like that policeman commissioned to stop the traffic because further down the line there's going to be a fatal collision. Hello? Saying, but, but uh, it's not very popular to stop the traffic. But you know, people might not like me if I stop the traffic. Nobody likes a traffic jam. This is going to be a bit awkward here. Let's get out and do what you need to do. And we have to get out and do what we need to do. This is why last week, if, if you were in at the start of the meeting, if you, you'd have heard this. If you weren't, you might have missed it. But there's some great stories last week at the start of our meeting. One, uh, Rich Williams, who talked about as, as a as a manager on a construction site, you know, he's got some like 60, 70 guys and on a construction building site. Uh, and during the, uh, the, the prayer at midday, he said like he, he was praying the Lord's prayer. And you know what? I, he didn't make anything of this, but did you notice he said, and somebody said like, heard him and said, what are you doing? They, they, heard, they heard him. I'm thinking if you're on a construction site praying at midday, you do it quietly. But not rich. Our Father, who art in heaven. <laughs> no, he's sort of like, but he's there at his desk. And somebody says, what is that? And then says, like, because could not the fear of man have stopped rich from doing that? So, oh, Lord, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go into the toilet or I'll go into the car. This isn't going to work here. But he does it. And then someone says, what are you doing? Can I join you? And then some others say, though, can we join you? And then they, it gets to half past 12 one day, and one goes, have we missed it? <laughs> yeah, you've blown it. It's like, wow, what is happening in that place? But the fear of man would have proved to be a snare, but those who trust in the Lord are kept safe. I don't know where Kieran, Kieran is today. I'm just looking out. Maybe he's, he's, oh, he's, he's on Teams Lounge. So Kieran Joseph, uh, he's a, a teacher at, at one of our schools, uh, secondary schools in the city. And uh, when he went there uh, like two or three years ago, he, he, he decided that he was just going to see if there were other Christians on the staff. And so he just like made this announcement that there was going to be like uh, a Christian staff fellowship. And, uh, and, and some other Christians kind of came out the woodwork and they started praying. And then last year there was the, the higher tour. 
And I remember like Kieran, just the, the challenge, because he's no different to any of us. The challenge of, of him saying, you know, in that staff meeting, like he, he felt really self-conscious to say it, but just, oh, I just got to do this. And then when the higher tour said, actually, he, he opened the door for, for the higher tour to come in uh, into that school. But putting his professional reputation on the line, putting his neck on the block, putting his head above the parapet. And out of that, some people have, have come to find Jesus at the school. And then starting this group called Christianity Explored, where anybody can come and find out about Jesus. And over the, the last few weeks, they've had 30 different people come. They've, they've had to order some more Bibles. Wow. But you know, it's, it's a challenge. But maybe in your place of work, maybe you could put something out there. Maybe in your place of study, you could reach out. Maybe there's somebody you need to tell about Jesus. Maybe you'd sense the Lord speaking to you, and yet you've not had the courage to, to actually step out and bring that word. But for you, it's a breakthrough moment. I want to encourage us, church, not to be hemmed in by the fear of man. It will prove to be a snare. That this week, we will all have opportunities to say something, to do something. And we might feel self-conscious and we might try and justify it all away and, and give ourselves a, a reason why it might be unwelcome or it might be unpopular or it might be awkward. But let me tell you, it might not be. Because it might be the light and the life that somebody needs to receive. Sarah, why don't you come? And I want to encourage us, church, to step out into kingdom authority, to overcome the fear of man to be the light in the darkness, to shine for Jesus, to not be afraid to lift up our voices, to, to offer prayer. And it may be refused, but it may be received. And God might work a miracle and might do something incredible. I wonder if we can stand. I don't know if this is speaking to somebody here today. But I want to say to you, church, God wants you to be a kingdom bringer. God wants you to shine for Him on your street, maybe in your house, maybe in your hall of residence or your faculty and your place of work. And probably this week, but if not this week, next week, there'll be an opportunity to say something. The Lord might put somebody on your heart that you need to start praying for and you need to share something with. If you stopped and prayed, Lord, who do you want me to speak to about you? Let me tell you, the Lord will tell you somebody because the Lord knows people that are ready. I can remember after I'd not long been a Christian praying, Lord, who do you want me to share my faith with? And the Lord put on my heart someone I had not seen for months. It's a guy I didn't know very well at all. And the only context I've ever met this guy was I, was, I played tennis against him. And I managed to get his number off somebody and I, I called him up out of the blue like it would, might have been a bit awkward. And I said, hey, William, do you, do you want to meet up and play tennis? And he was like, sure. So we arranged a game. I, I'd only arranged the game because I knew God wanted me to share my faith with him. And then how do you do that? Oh, good serve, William. Did you know Jesus didn't come to be served? He, that's not going to work. I remember we have this game and at the end of it, I'm like going, oh God, you've got to help me say something, do something. I'm here today. And, and, and then we, we're having this chat and he said, what did you do last night? And I said, oh, I, I was at a meeting at church actually. 
And you know what he said to me? He said, wow, that sounds interesting. I said, does it? Does it sound that interesting to me? And he said, well, what was it about? Tell me about it. And then he says, can I come to church with you? So I've never been to church. My family are not Christians. Can I come? I was like, ah, I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't think about that one. I was like, sure. And I picked him up and our, our church right then was wacky. I mean, anything could happen. There's people speaking in tongues, waving flags. And I'm driving in with this guy. I'm going, I need to prepare him. And I go, you know, it's a little bit different maybe to songs of praise or something that you maybe have in your head. Um, let me just tell you some of the things that might happen. Have you ever heard of speaking in tongues? And William's going, wow, that's really interesting. I'm going, wow, I thought you were going to get out. And we got there and I'm praying. And I'm going, oh God, this is your big opportunity, Lord. And he's there and he's with me and he's by my side. And you know what? it was honestly the worst church service I've ever been in. Like the, I mean, the, 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 we had sound issues. The band was all over the place. The songs were terrible. The, the, the notices went on forever and the sermon was about money. And at the end of it, this guy's next to me and, and I'm going, Lord, you had one job to do. And I did not know what to say. And I, I found myself saying, hey, what did you think? And he said, it was fantastic. I said, it was not. He said, I really enjoyed it. Joe, within two or three months, he'd given his life to Jesus, still serving God today. And I say that not, but you know, listen, uh, we've got to step out. We've got to step into kingdom authority. In kingdom authority. And I, maybe for you, the fear of man has been a snare. Maybe you've been self-conscious. Maybe you can identify with some of my silly stories today. And if that's you, I want to I invite you to consider saying this day, God, help me to break out of this. I don't want to be in this snare anymore. I want to be the person you've called me to be. Out of my love for you, I want to obey you and respond to you. Let my love for you be greater than the need for approval from people. And if you're ready to say that today, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand right now and say, God, would you help me this year to be a different person, to step out and to break free? And if that's you, I'm going to invite you where you are to begin to pray for yourself as I also pray for you. Say, God, would you help me to shine a light? Where you are, just begin to lift your voice and pray for yourself. And I pray, God, would you make us an army of kingdom bringers? Would you cause us to get over ourselves? Would you help us to break free and to live in the power of your anointing, to live and walk in your authority? Lord, to bring the good news of Jesus to those around us. Help us, God, to get over ourselves. Help us, Lord, not to be caught in a trap, but to live our lives for you. And we pray, let us hear story after story of those that you have given us the privilege of helping and help us to step fully into our purpose, to be the people you have called us to be, to honor your name. We pray in the name of Jesus.